0: Uh, Good morning. Uh, It's been a while, like you said. I'll do my best to uh, say exactly what God wanted me to say. So um, thank you for being here. Uh, It's always great to be in church, um, and it's good to be here this morning. Um, Let's start out with this question. Have you ever had a day start off um, really bad? Um, About, yeah, understatement for a lot of you. A couple months ago, I was scheduled to speak at Bakersfield Christian High School in chapel and it'd been a while since i had had the chance to speak in chapel so I was really excited about it I'd spent a lot of hours getting my message put together and I decided on the way to school I was just going to drive and just talk you know talk to God and kind of go through the major points of my message you know and so I'm talking to God and going through my major points of my message trying to go through it in my head just make sure I don't mess it up when chapel comes around I'm cruising down Allen Road, just kind of minding my own business, and I see this guy stepping out in the middle of the road as I'm driving, and I'm going, what's this guy doing? So I slow down. As I get closer, I get closer, I get closer. I notice he has a badge on, and he's doing this. And so I'm like, oh, I think it's a cop. Sure enough, there's a guy with a radar gun on the other side of the street behind the car. I had no clue they were there. Had no idea they were even in the vicinity, and I didn't ever see it coming. So of course I pull over the side of the road, park, and the guy comes over to the window, and we go through the whole talk. And I'm like, "Said, so be honest with you, I'm heading to work. I'm totally oblivious to how fast I was going." He goes, "Yeah, oh yeah, you were over the speed limit." Okay, so he writes me up a ticket, and you know, of course, I'm sitting there just feeling really disgusted with myself and down, and like, how stupid can you be? And that's just silly, and you should know better, and all these things going through my head. <clears throat> so he ends up writing me a speed ticket, a speeding ticket, and I head to, to school. Uh, an hour later, I get up in front of the students and have to tell my story. And so here I am again telling you my story. Um, to make, the in- make matters worse later in the day, um, one of my soccer parents, because I coach soccer there, um, her daughter's on my team, she texts me, she says, Hey, was that you pulled over on the side of the road uh, <laughs> this morning? She goes, we were praying he was going to write that ticket off for you and he wasn't going to give you one. I'm like, well, thank you for the prayer. It didn't work, but uh, God wanted me to have a ticket and pay a fine. So um, I'm in the process of going to traffic school. Um, but hey, you know, we're all human. Uh, but, you know, I I look at that situation. and I can learn from that. And I think we've all been there. Uh, today, I want to get to a specific uh, topic today. Uh, talking about how we can be hostages to things in our life, Um, how I can be a hostage to maybe anger or, um, you know, jealousy, things like that. Today, specifically, I want to talk about um, the issue of bitterness. Um, I don't believe anyone in here has it all together. I certainly don't. Um, We're all sinners born into sin, and we're all imperfect. We all have our issues, um, whatever the case may be. But we're hostage to a lot of things in our life. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's anger, lies, worry, money, status, time. Um, There's a lot of them we could talk about. But today, I want to talk about the issue of bitterness. So it will not only poison the people around you, but bitterness, as it says in the Scripture, will also poison you. And so the Scripture today is uh, Hebrews 12, 14. And if you want to turn your Bibles you have with you, turn to Hebrews 12. So verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See to it that no bitter root grows up, consumes your heart, takes over, and produces a very poisonous fruit that would defile many people. Because that's what bitterness does. Um, See to it that no bitter root grows up in you. There's two biblical thoughts on this. The first is this. It's in your outline. My voice is obviously need water. Um, Bitterness has a dangerous root, if you want to fill that in. Type or just write in root. Hopefully you can see it on the screen. I think some of those are a little bit dark. The scripture is very clear. What does it say? It says, see to it that what? See to it that no bitter root grows up in your heart to defile many people. So how does a bitter root start? What's that? An offense. Aha. Uh-huh. Somebody did something to you. They said something to you or they treated you badly. And so what you do is you take that inside of your heart and you stew on it and you let it be there. It grows. Okay. Um, somebody could act one way towards you. It could be even they didn't even mean it, but you take it one way and then all of a sudden that feeling gets in your heart and into your life and you let that kind of stew. And what happens with a root is it begins to grow. It starts in a soil of a hurt that hasn't been dealt with properly. So a bitter root grows within the soil of a wounded heart, an injury, a hurt, something that happened to you at some time, someone betrays you maybe. Um, Instead of handling scripturally, we internalize it, we absorb it, and a root begins to grow. The roots absorb, they store, and grow. That's what they do. Scripture says that love keeps no record of wrong says, so if someone hurts you, if you are to love them and you are to forgive them, and as Christians, we're supposed to let it go, show grace and show mercy, show compassion to that person that, that wronged us. And that's a hard thing to do um, because it's personal. And so, I, I mean, I, I go to school every day, and I probably hear this at least once a day, Mr. Watson, can you really grow hair? Can you grow hair or is it just like that? Do you have to shave it? And so I'm like, you know, and then they call me the bald eagle. That's our mascot. So I am now the bald eagle on campus. I'm the only bald teacher, apparently. And so they they give me this hard time. And so I've learned to kind of just let it roll. When I was younger, I probably took offense to it. But now I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I shaved my head. And yeah, I'm bald. And they think it's funny, too. They think they're making fun of me. I could care less. But it could take that internal and be like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm bald. And I have no hair, and my father passed that on to me, and I could really get downtrodden about it because I'm only 39. I lost my hair when I was 20-something. So it's been this way a very long time, but, I, you know, I've embraced it a long time ago. And there's a lot of jokes that people want to say to you and things like that, and that's something really silly, but it's truth. It happens. Um, people want to make fun of you. So those bitter roots can grow up into you, and it becomes a problem. Um. The thing we tend to do also is we play it over and over in our mind. Uh, We tend to go back in time and think about those things that were, you know, said to us or happened to us, and we start to replay that tape, and what happens is it starts to grow that bitter root in our life. Um, We also think, you know, hey, what I should have said to that person was this. You know, I should have told them that, and we start to think about the things we could have said or could have done. When these roots um, happen, they start to grow, and bitterness produces a dangerous root. Um, the reason I just want to discuss this with you is because um, I've seen this in my own life. <clears throat> so um, I'll be a little vulnerable today and, and to kind of share with you guys some of my testimony. Um, When I was about, well, my my parents met in the 70s, and they were a part of what you call the Jesus movement, if anybody knows what the Jesus movement was. My dad tells me a lot about it. But they met in church, in Bible college, and they got married, and they were in a traveling ministry together, and so they would go to churches and and sing and play music and and basically like a worship ministry. And so they would travel church to church to church and and have this ministry together, and and through the years, in uh, 1976, I had my brother, so he was, uh, he was born in Phoenix, Arizona, when they were based there, and then uh, they moved to uh, Salinas, California, and then I was born in 1977. So throughout this, um, basically, we were born in the church, and so my brother and I were born in this late 70s. Um, and if you want to, you can kind of see. Uh, you can Google the Jesus movie. And you kind of see what it was about. it's basically about it was basically a bunch of Christian hippies, is the way we look at it now. And they were just free love. Jesus is, you know, great, and we love Jesus, and we're going to tell people about him. and And so that's kind of what I grew up in, with a dad who was a, a minister. Um, when I was about three years old, um, I don't know all the details, and I've tried to kind of separate the details. I don't want to know the details. Basically, what happened was. When I was three, uh, my brother's four, my parents divorced, and uh, I just remembered separation. I don't remember why, I don't remember all the details. I just remember my mom was now living somewhere else, and my dad was now living. Um, we had moved at that time to the big metropolis of McKittrick, California. If anybody knows where that is, it's like 103 people out in that way. I think that includes rabbits and, and things like that. Um, we grew up out there, so the time I was about three to about eight, for about five years, we we lived in Saline, or, sorry, uh, McKittrick. And during that time, I, my my father had uh, kept us within the church. Um, he uh, he was still in the ministry a little bit, but he was kind of removed from it just because of all the things that were going on with our family. Um, and in that time, he he met um, a woman named Kathy. Uh, who became my stepmom, and he was remarried when I was about five years old. Uh, with that came a stepsister, a stepbrother, and, a, and another stepsister. So immediately now I had three brothers and sisters, so there was five of us. Um, we ended up kind of partly adopting another kid out of McKittrick School, so we had six kids living in our house. So it was this very interesting time. Um, going back a few years, um, but I, I didn't know all the details until I was about high school age, about senior in high school. My dad decided to kind of give us a little bit of insight into what happened um, when my mom decided to divorce. And so going back, and I, I, at this, until that time in my life, I, I didn't understand what happened. I, I just kind of knew they were separated. My, my dad loved Jesus. Um, he was still in the ministry. He brought us to church. He believed in that. Um, I look back on that, and I'm, I'm thankful. Um, he started to tell us kind of what happened. And up until, well, I, I knew what happened to a degree. Um, when I was three, my, my mom and dad were having conflict, and, and what had happened was my mom decided to leave my dad, uh, not for another man, but for, another, for basically a woman, um, so from the time I was three years old all the way until now, I've lived with a mom who's lived an alternative lifestyle, as you'd call it, um, living with another woman. And so I grew up from the time of three all the way just living this one weekend we're over here, the other weekend you're there. So I live with my mom over on the weekend here, seeing this lifestyle, and then I would live on this side on this weekend living a different lifestyle. And so I, would, I was in this turmoil. And going through this whole situation, um, I was bitter for a long time um, because I wanted to know why um, my parents separated. There's a lot of blessings within that. Um, the, the marriage of my, my stepmom, um, as strict as she was, <laughs> some of you know her, uh, she's, she's amazing. Um, my dad was amazing. And as he's told me these stories, I, I for a long time wrestled with, uh, how do I deal with um, bitterness? And then it became to this, this spot in my life where I had a family. I got married in 2004, met my wife, um, Andrea, and we had our first kid. And I'm like, okay, now what? How do I... Um, navigate this not knowing that my mom's living this lifestyle knowing it's what what that is and then having a christian walk over here having this big divide in between how do i um, have this relationship with my mother and have my family following christ Um, and living out god's word so there was a big situation i had to deal with in my life um It really came down to bitterness. I had to choose to forgive my mother. um, Choose whether or not I was going to let her into my child's life. And choose whether or not to forgive her for the things she did. And the reason why I say that, it was so hard, is because my father told me what she said when they were divorced and they were going through the court. Um, My mom said she didn't want to go to court for the kids. She said, I'll take the furniture You can have the kids. And when he told me that my senior year in high school, that's when I started to get bitter. Because I don't know if you've ever been compared to a piece of furniture, but it's rough to take. And so from that moment on, for a few years, I wrestled with this, this issue. Once I got married and started having children, I had to really look at my life and go, hey, what is it really about? It's about redemption. It's about accepting God's word and his life and praying for my mother and wishing and hoping the best for her. And that is where I'm at today. I'm still wrestling with the issue, but I've really given it over to God. My mom's involved with her life. I mean, we go see her, and she's still with the same woman. And it's it's awkward, it's strange, it's different, it's weird, but it is my life. And I have to trust God with every moment of it. So I was bitter, confused for a long time. Time came for me to learn to love, forgive, and have compassion. And that's where, for a long time, I had this bitterness, um, this root growing in my life. Because I did not know any different. But I knew God wanted me to give it up. There's a second thing uh, bitterness produces is a poisonous fruit. Not only a root, but a poisonous fruit. So out of this dangerous root of bitterness comes anger hatred, rage, other things that are poisonous to those around us. The New Living Translation says it this way in verse 15. It says, Whenever the bitter root springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. Um, what does this look like? Well, this dangerous root of bitterness grows, it becomes corrupted within us, and it produces a poison that goes out to others around us. Um, I'm sure you guys have dealt with this in your own lives, but the way I look at it is... Uh, in my own life, I, just, I, look at, I always think of things in pictures and real life situations. And so um, my wife and I decided once we got married, we had our son, Ethan, we were looking for a home. We were renting a little apartment. Um, we decided, well, we want to buy a home. So we started looking around. We got a realtor and we started doing the whole look thing. And we, were, we weren't we making a lot of money then, so our options were very limited. And we found this little home, little two-bedroom, um, small little house. And we decided well, this will fit our family perfect, you know, nothing wrong with this house, so we're looking through, and I remember walking out in the backyard and I walk out and I'm looking at the backyard I'm like, holy moly, this place is a mess I mean it was just I don't know if you've ever seen just it's just a messy yard, but it was just covered in this this stuff, and I was like what what is this stuff and so come to find out there's this huge tree back there in this corner of the yard, and this thing was massive I mean it just covered over the four yards in our the little backyard, it just branched everywhere. And what this tree was doing was it was dropping these petals and flowers, this, this junk, into the, onto the ground. I mean, it was, it was thick because you could tell it had just been dropping, dropping since the, the home was um, you know, on the market. And um, we are like, okay, this is interesting. Well, I look over to the right, and I noticed eight garbage bags full of this stuff. I mean, it's already been cleaned up once. It was just it was a whole line of garbage bags where they kept trying to clean this garbage up. I'm like, wow, okay, well, this won't be too difficult. So what ended up happening is we get the house, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this tree's no big deal. Well, for, the, for three or four years, I've, I've, I dealt with this tree, and I was always picking up its garbage. I was always going out, and I had to rake it. It was making my life miserable. I mean, just wholly miserable. I don't know if you guys have ever had this situation, but this tree wasn't, it wasn't leaves. It was just its petals from this flower thing. And so I, I just constantly had to deal with this tree's garbage. It's kind of like that in our own life. We, we, sometimes we go to work, and we always have to deal with somebody's, somebody's garbage. You know, <laughs> I heard it said one time, you know, people are messy. I think Pastor James Ranger said that once, and that always stuck with me. You know, people are messy, and we are. We're very messy, and we kind of tend to drop things um, you know, throughout our life and onto other people, and it, it becomes a struggle for those people because it's, it's a poison. You know, negativity can really affect people. And that can just, well, I've seen it in my own life, and I'll share it in a minute, but it just goes and goes and goes. Um, you know, back looking back on it, I should have known what a nightmare that tree was going to be in my life. And so what we decided to do was we decided to chop that thing down. <laughs> we got this guy out there. These guys were hanging from the branches, just going to town. It took them like two days. Finally get this stump grinder in there and just brrr, into the ground. I'm like... That was awesome. I loved watching that thing just get chewed up and spit out. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so we kind of did away with it. Um, But I I felt like my life was becoming miserable just because of this dumb tree. Um, So we got rid of it. Um, But, you know, it happens. It happens at the office place. It happens, you know, in our own families. Um, There's just people with these branches, you know, and they're just dropping their negativity and bitterness everywhere. And it can kill a very positive vibe in an atmosphere. Um, I see this in my own life. I, I'm, I'm a teacher at a Christian high school, which you think, oh, Christian high school, these kids got it all together. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we, we've got so many issues uh, dealing with kids who come from Christian families. You think Christian school, Christian families, these kids know, they've got it together. <sighs> I mean, I could tell you stories upon stories The reason why I ended up at Bakersfield Christian High School, as a youth pastor up until that point at New Life Center. And I decided, you know what, I I want to teach the gospel. Um, I like doing it once or twice a week, but I wanted to do it every single day. Um, And I ended up at Bakersfield Christian High School. And these kids are hurting just as many, as much, if not more, than most of the kids you'll see in public schools. Um, I could tell you story after story of, of kids dealing with the stuff that I dealt with. And I know that's why I am where I am. I know that's why God placed me at this high school. Because there's Christian kids coming from a Christian home like I did. Struggling with bitterness, anger, frustrations, hurts, divorces. You'd be surprised how many kids in our school come from divorced families. It's amazing. I mean, it's just it's a, it's an epidemic. Um, but uh, it's, it's where I'm at. And these kids would come into class. And I've seen it where the class is happy, everything's good, and then walks in Johnny. And Johnny has an attitude problem. He sits down because he's having a bad morning, and he starts to just spout off a bunch of nonsense. And then that starts to trickle throughout the classroom. Um, I've seen it on my sports team. I'm a coach. I'm a soccer coach. I remember a couple years ago, I had a, a girl who just had attitude. And it was always behind my back. She would never say it to my face, but she would say it behind my back. And for three years, I dealt with it. Finally, your senior year runs comes around. Um, and I wasn't playing her because I knew she had a bad attitude. I had her on the team. I should have just said, you know, it's time for you to move on. But I was trying to be nice about it. But her, she was a cancer within my own group, my team. Um, the parents sent me a three-page email because they were angry with me because I didn't play their daughter. Um, it was just this whole big thing. and I had to tell them, listen, your daughter is a cancer i had a meeting with them i had to be honest with them i don't play her because she has an attitude problem and it's starting to infiltrate other players on this team and we cannot be successful and so this from that day on i learned a lesson man cut off the cancer um if you're going to be a good team and i think that's part of our our something that i think is hard to learn but something we had to learn um and I'd say this within our own high school kids, you know, we're, they're a direct reflection of people they hang out with. And uh, I tell this at our kids all the time, you know, you want, you want people to look at you, but you're a direct reflection of the people you're hanging out with. And it's a hard thing to get through their heads, you know, because that stuff, it, it gets in, it gets into your life. Um, let's look at five qualities of bitter people real quick. Maybe you're one of these people, and if so, maybe you need to deal with the root that might be growing in your own hearts. Um, I know for me that these hit home, um, one, bitter people tend to justify their bitterness. Justify it. Um, they think, okay, did you see what she did to me? You know, I deserve to be um, angry with her and I deserve to be upset about it. You know, they want to get revenge. Um, they know it's wrong. Instead, they deserve reserve the right to be unhappy about it. And so they would rather be unhappy about it and just be angry rather than to, to choose to forgive and move on. Um, Maybe some of us are just, you know, we're bitter and we justify it because we think we're a victim and we think we have a right to be ticked off about it. Um, I think jury duty can, can lead to this. Um, <laughs> because I got called last week and I was so mad. I was like, hey, you know, I get called, I literally almost once a year. Um, but, you know, we've all been there. Uh, two, bitter people tend to become overly critical. Um, if you're bitter with somebody... You will never look at that person objectively again. You will nitpick everything they do, and that's kind of what we do as well. Uh, Because, you know, I'm a teacher. I see this all all the time in class, and this is a literal conversation I had with a student. This girl turns in an assignment, and one of the girls, oh, she always turns things in on time. She thinks she's so perfect, kind of that kind of thing. She must be on the soccer team because Mr. Watson always lets her turn things in. You know, I'm like, what? What has nothing to do with it, and so it becomes this conflict. They become critical because of some issue they had with that kid. I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything. Uh, Maybe it happens with you you on your job, or maybe within your own family. You know, you become critical of somebody because there's jealousy there. Um, You know, you're bitter with somebody over whatever for whatever reason. Uh, The third thing, then there's some of us like this we will secretly celebrate the misfortunes of others. I confess, I'm a sinner. I've done this over the past few years. Um, a few years ago, I was at a soccer tournament with a coach that I considered a good friend. Um, something happened where I was like, I need to go tell him what his team is doing when they jog around the field, because what they were doing is they were jogging past my girls, cursing them out, cussing at them under their breath. And and my parents caught wind of it, and they came over. And they said, Hey. You know, I knew something was going on, but they said, hey, there's what they said. Okay, I'll deal with that. So I walked across the field after the game and said, hey, you just want to make sure your girls don't run around and start cursing at my girls before a soccer game. Have some dignity, have some honor, and play fair, play within the rules, but don't ever do that to my kids. Well, (laughs) long story short, he didn't say much to me then, Um, but a couple days later, I got a huge email. And it went out to my administrators, his administrators, my it went out to all these people, and he just just put me through the ringer, um, was so hateful and saying things about me that were totally untrue and i i I took that to heart i took it i took it um, I took it personal, and so it became a bitter root within my own life and what had happened was I started to celebrate his misfortunes I started to Really, really get excited when I'd see a loss in the newspaper. And I really, really got excited when we beat him three and four nothing in a soccer game because he was in our league. And so I got to see him two or three times a year. And so every year for about two or three years, I'd celebrate the misfortunes of this coach. And we stopped talking up till that point. You know, we talked a lot and all of a sudden we just cut it off. And I started, to, when I started going through this message, I, I dealt with it before this, but I was like, man, that was me. That was me. I'm celebrating this guy's misfortunes. And, you know, it's still to this day, it's still a, it's a struggle because I still want to do that. I mean, I, I've, I've learned to forgive and move on, but I mean, even to this day, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still bitter about it. I, I need God to deal with me in that, you know, and I'm trying to mend that relationship a little bit. But, it, you know, it was tough. Um, And maybe we do that. You know, somebody drives by you really fast on the freeway, maybe me, Um, and I'm trying to get better. But, you you know, that person gets pulled over down the road a little bit, and then you're like, ha-ha, sucker, you know. It happens, right? Same situation. You know, we we probably have that bitterness in our life. Um, Fourth thing, bitter bitter people write off entire groups of people. This one, um, this was a tough one. Um, you know, this person hurt me, so therefore I'm going to shun that whole group of people. I would say this happens with the church as a whole. A Christian hurt my feelings, all Christians are bad. Happens. Um, you know, girls at school, they're hurt by a boy, all boys are bad. I'm okay with them thinking that, because I tell them all the time, boys are a waste of time, don't even, don't even worry about it, worry about that down the road, and they think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I was a boy once. I was a waste of time. Um, And then boys are the same way. You know, all girls are crazy. Okay. No. They just, maybe you're the ones who don't want to give you the time of day, and that's okay. Um, This happens with churches. Um, It happens within schools. I like to, uh, when I see a kid from Garces, I'm like, oh, you're from that school. You know, I kind (laughs) of mess with them a little bit because... I got it goes way back, uh, but we do it all the time. Uh, we do this re- with religions. We do this with uh, dogs, cats, um, sports, um, law enforcement. You know, cop treating me bad, therefore all cops are bad. We see that. Just look at the media. You'll see that, and I'd say politics. I'm not going to go there, but this is the way we live our life. We decide that everything's bad when that is not the case. So, uh, maybe that's something in your own life. We write off entire groups. Um, fifth thing, bitter people struggle to see bitterness in the mirror. Some of you are probably sitting there going, man, I wish so-and-so was here so they could hear this. Um, and then meanwhile, the person next to you is probably going, are they hearing this? So, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the own bitterness within the mirror. And, I, man, I, I've dealt with this, you know, I have um, within my own life. And I often feel like sometimes my messages are just to myself. Um, but there's a one, one thing I want to kind of go through today. Um, and so I want to ask a question for you. And it's in your notes. And the question is this, with whom or what are you bitter? With whom or what are you bitter? Maybe just write it down there and maybe cover it and fold it, I don't know, so your neighbor doesn't see it. Um, it can be anything or anyone. It could be big or small. Uh, maybe it's something petty. Maybe it's a friend at work got a promotion that you felt you deserved, and they got it. Maybe there's bitterness there. Uh, maybe it's something serious where somebody's telling lies, spreading rumors about you. Um, maybe it's personal. Uh, you're bitter towards one or both of your parents. Maybe you're bitter because one of your parents destroyed your family, and there was a divorce, which is my case. Um, um, you know, because I look back on it now, I know my parents brought unforgiven issues into their new marriage even, and it affected my family. Um, growing up, there was a lot of issues there within our blended family. Um, you know, within that, we, we had a lot of anger, frustrations, hurt that were brought in. Um, and as kids, we felt the repercussions of that. Um, you know, everything wasn't rosy once my, my dad got remarried. There was a lot of garbage and baggage brought into the into the family from both sides, and, you know, we felt the repercussions of that, and that also, you know, raised bitterness within our family and within my brothers and sisters. Um, I will say this, if you're in a blended family, be careful of this bitter root, because it will grow in your children's lives, and you won't even know it. Um, I'll just say it from personal experience. Um, If you're in a blended family, be careful how you treat that stepchild. Because um, you could be affecting it in a way you don't even know. And it comes from bitterness. Um, so where are you at with this? Maybe someone abused your generosity. You tried to help them and they, they took advantage of your kindness. Um, and then maybe your bitterness with, you're bitter with yourself. Um, you know what my first thought was when I got pulled over by that cop? no joke, my first thought was, you idiot. I was so mad at myself. I was beating myself up. I'm like sitting on the steering wheel like, what are you doing? Talking to myself. So dumb, so dumb. Then my second thought was, my wife's going to kill me. (laughs) No joke. Exactly what went through into my head. I'm like, she's going to kill me. So, you know, I was beating myself up. I was bitter with myself for a long time. Uh, Mistakes happen. You know, are you bitter towards God? Maybe he didn't answer a prayer, someone you love passed away early, Uh, maybe you feel he isn't listening to prayers. With whom or with what are you bitter? So today I hope we acknowledge it because the longer we let this root grow, the more dangerous it becomes in our life and the more difficult it is to kill it. How do we kill the root of bitterness? We have to pull it up by the roots. I'm not sure how much time I got. What time we get? Okay, I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, Let me go back to the tree real quick. The tree never went away. We're out pulling weeds, and up come these little sprouts one day. This is months later, months later. Um, I start pulling them, and then weeks later after that, still there. I go in the backyard one day, and there's just tons of them in that spot where the tree used to be. I start digging in the soil, and I'm just pulling up root after root after root after root of this tree, trying to make a comeback. And so I finally get all those removed, and then I start to look up, and I look over the tree, and theres I think there's some, or over the fence, I think there's pictures there, and I see this tree, and I think, yeah, there it is. There's the tree, and this is how big it had become. It was a little smaller than that when I first looked up, but when I was putting together this message, this is what the tree looks like now. This is the tree that was growing on the other side of our fence. It has now started to take root on the other side, and now it's growing huge in. I've already started to try to trim this thing back from my side of the fence. But now it's so big that the tree trunks are already big enough to where I can't take it out. And if I try to take it out, I mean, the neighbor's going to be like, what are you doing? So what it's done now is now it's affecting me again. And now guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be cleaning up this mess again as it starts to get bigger. Because there's a root that was not dealt with. It grew, and then now it's going to affect others around me. And guess what? It's coming at me again. And I think this is bottom line. This is what our lives are at times. And this is people we know, maybe, maybe ourselves, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, where bitterness has grown within their life, and now they're just dropping bitterness, and they're dropping their garbage on other people, and it's become a cancer, and it's grown out of control. My hope and my, my prayer today is that we don't become like this tree. We have to kill the root of bitterness with one thing, and that is forgiveness. It's the only way. And we have a perfect example of this this in Ephesians, and I'm going to try to close real quick. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, let me just end with this. If you had to write a list of all the things God forgave you for, how long would that list be? I know for me, it would probably be out the door and down the street. Okay, how many times have you lied? Um, how many times have you um, been angry with somebody? How many times have you cursed? How many times you had a bad thought? If you start to think about all those things and start putting a list together, how long would that list be? I would imagine it would be maybe a mile long for some of us, maybe two. Now, think about all the things in your life. And I think it's a huge list. Then make another list. Um, think about what the person or situation you're bitter towards and what it has done to you. Compare those lists and now make a choice. So what one thing had that person done to you? How many things have we done to Christ. And if you compare those two lists, think about all the things Christ gave you. Why can we not forgive that person for what they've done to us? Let's pray. Lord, I just, um, first of all, I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share your word. And Lord, I just know that today in, in, in this service, in this place, maybe we're, uh, in a place where we've become um, bitter because we've allowed a root, something undealt with, um, to spread within our own heart and our own life. And now what that root has done is it's grown into a a bigger problem that affects other people. And maybe it's starting to kill um, our walk with you even. Maybe we're still carrying the things that you wanted us to set down a long time ago. I think you've called your church to be a family. We're here to worship you together in a real practical way, to be who you've called us to be. And in order to do that, we have to be genuine. Putting aside all the masks, all the walls we put up in our own lives, we need a real check of our heart. Jesus, I ask that you would bring healing to our lives this morning. Would you help us deal with the bitterness in our life? Would you help us become healthy in our hearts again? Can you please deal with us at the root level? Today we give you our hurts because we don't want it affecting us or those close to us any longer. We don't want it affecting our father, our mother, our brother, our sister. We don't want it affecting our husband, our wife, our children any longer. And maybe you're saying to yourself, yeah, Jesus, you know, this is me this is my situation, you know, and I'm ready to forgive. I recognize that I'm bitter and I recognize that I need God's help in this area of my life. And maybe that's you. I know for me for a long time, this was my situation. And I know I'm still dealing with the bitterness in my own heart and my own life. So I'd raise my own hand. But I'm going to. If that's you and you're here and you say, yeah, you know what? There's things in my life I still need to give over to God. And I need to strike this situation down at the root because it's allowed." things come into my life that I know God never intended for me. In fact, you all want to just pray over you and I would even say this, you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and into your life, raise your hand as well because God wants to start a new root in your life, a root of forgiveness, salvation, redemption, life, life everlasting. So Lord, I'd pray for each um, hand that was raised and those maybe that warrants as well. Lord God, where there's situations in our life where we need your touch, we need your spirit, that so to reach down into the deepest parts of our heart, deepest parts of our soul, Lord, where only you can reach. Lord God, that you would strike down that root, you would deal with the situation maybe that happened years ago in our life we never really gave up to you Lord God I pray that your spirit would touch that spot in our life Lord God and heal it Lord God that your uh, redemption would be in our life and in our heart Lord we give you our pains our struggles we give you these bitter roots of our life today we offer them over to you we ask that you would come into our heart and into our life and start a new um A new life, a new experience with you. Father, help us to not be bitter anymore. Help us to give these things over to you. We are no longer hostages to bitterness, but we are free because of your life, your death, your resurrection on the cross and for your ultimate sacrifice, Lord God, that forgave us of all our sins from now until eternity, from past and present and future, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, thank you so much. appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then I'll let you go. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this moment. I ask that you would just go bless these lives as we go out the doors. Bless those as they come in, Lord God. um, Help us to go and spread joy, forgiveness, acceptance to those in our lives. Our families and our workplace, Lord God, and those we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.